on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. Oh, hello and welcome to the program. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. And this is fun. It's dangerous for them to give me four hours of me hosting radio. Because I've behaved myself the first day. And yes, Troy is here as always on Mondays. How you doing, man? I'm well. How are you? Great. But like I was saying, it's dangerous for them to give me four hours. Is it going to get silly? Oh, yeah. And I might start sharing way too much... I mean, about myself is fine. Happy to... I feel no shame. That's a, that's a good quality. I actually did. I didn't give names. That's my policy. I don't give names of others. But uh, I did share the youth leg story. First time I drank a lot. Oh, boy. And, uh, you know, bygones be bygones. You go into the dark cave, you don't... <laughs> is that what they're calling them? Yeah, but I blame that movie Waiting. Yeah, I wonder how many people are going to get caught up into this Me Too dragnet because they're just boys that saw that movie waiting and they started playing the junk showing game. <laughs> There's just waves of regret <laughs> splashing over me. Oh man! Got creative with it too. Just yeah. Very creative. We could have put those efforts into something productive. <laughs> nope. No. no. I mean, but we were kids. It's like when I saw the Al Franken stuff, I was like, wait, did he do that when he was like early 20s? Frat guy kind of mentality? No, he was 40-something? Whoa, man. Yeah. yeah. At that point, you're like, mm. same with Louie. It's like, I'm, you know, we're both like 29 now. Mm-hmm. So, and... You can already feel the old age thing coming on where it's like, I can't behave like I used to for a lot of really good reasons like health and well-being and just being a better person, but also just basic reasons of like, I wouldn't, I don't even think that way anymore. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a lot more modest than I used to be. Also, I can't sneak up on people anymore. Really? You've nope. lost your sneakiness. I, I'm not sneaky anymore. I, these old bones, they just crack and pop. I know when it's going to rain. Mm. Swelling. Where does it? Where does it swell? <laughs> the ankles mostly. The ankles. Okay. Got a lot of soccer injuries over the years. Well, I've learned actually when it gets cold that my feet and uh, hands shrink, amongst other things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like what's happening? Do my my hands aren't that big anyway? You I turn only in. wear nines on my foot and my shoes are only nine. Did you turn into a carny? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Small hands. Small hands. <laughs> Smell like cabbage. <laughs> <laughs> so we went and saw The Last Jedi last night or yesterday afternoon. Yeah, well, I mean, shoot, by the time we got out, it was night. That's yeah. a long movie. Okay, and I'm already seeing um, some folks saying that maybe we're caught up in the, the moment. Like... 
artists say this, like music artists, like when you write a song and you finish your song, you're like, that's the greatest song ever. And then you revisit it a week later. And, oh, this is crap. Mm-hmm. And so I'm hedging this and us talking about The Last Jedi. We're going to tr- no, try not to spoil anything because it is an incredible movie and we don't want to ruin that experience. But maybe we're caught up in the moment of having just seen it. But I think we both agree this is one of the best Star Wars movies put together. I'll go one step further. It's the best Star Wars movie I've ever seen. The consensus best is usually Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people will hate me for saying this, but my favorite is Return of the Jedi. Me too! I have a new favorite. The Last Jedi. See, I, I was, I'm right with you. And I didn't realize this till recently, because I'm... I'm a neophyte to nerd culture, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But Return of the Jedi is like seen of the original trilogy, the worst of the original trilogy by most folks. And that was always my favorite as a kid. Like, I love the Ewoks. I love the idea of this small force that isn't technologically advanced overtaking the Empire. I mean, that's, to me, when I saw it, even at a young age, that's the American story. Well, you know, it was supposed to be Kashyyyk. That's Chewbacca's home planet. Oh. Yeah, but they changed it for some reason. I, I don't know why they changed it, but it was supposed to be Chewbacca's home planet of Kashyyyk. So I, I'm not sure I'm quite where you are saying it's the best, because Empire is a damn good movie. It's yeah. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Yeah, Empire, it might be for me, Empire in this one is tied, then Return of the Jedi for me, then the original Star Wars, then probably Revenge of the Sith. It's got to be Rogue One for me. See, but is that included in like the the major chapters of this saga? I feel like Rogue One's like a you go to the back of the book and you read the appendix. It's a damn good appendix. Well, okay. The original of what Rogue One is was basically these are this is the extended universe before Disney bought it and wiped out the extended universe and said we're going to make our own. It was. Han Solo's girlfriend, the first love of his life. She was a, she be- became a slave to this drug called Spice on this planet that was run by Huts, not Jabba, but Huts. Those alien that race, right? And the the businessmen were called Huts. Well, I say businessmen, but really they're just gangsters. Yeah. Um, and she's the one that sacrificed herself to steal the plans for the Death Star. That's the, the kind of the old lore. Right. Okay. So the the new lore with Rogue One, they did a really good job. Is it as good as that book? No. But it's it's really good. And I, you learn a lot with how they're taking the direction of the series. And I saw in this in Last Jedi, you see some of that mentality uh, from Rogue One, sort of the more gritty, uh, hard-nosed. I mean, I'm happy to spoil Rogue One. It's been out long enough where... It, it's a suicide mission. The good guys can't be good all the time. Yep. Sometimes you got to do bad things for good reasons, and sometimes you got to do good things for bad reasons. And then sometimes you're too devoted to the cause. Mm-hmm. Like so, even though you're supposedly doing good, you're so suspicious of everybody else around you that you end up being an a hole, like and being too violent, too radical. And that's where I would put why I I love this movie, The Last Jedi, so much. It takes, and this is in the trailer, so I'm not giving anything away, that the Force is balance. The Force, when you reach out and see the Force, it is the energy between all things. And this really pulls from a lot of Eastern religions. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's not necessarily, oh, you have, you know, God in heaven and the devil in hell. It's, no, the 
the force is everything. And so the potential for good and evil is in all things. And thus equal. Equal. Before and choice comes into the matter. So that balance and that equality, that almost uh, sense of justice, it it's actually how I have personally started to find solace in the world. That everything seems to work itself out, and I don't think of it in terms of karma, but it just seems like with every pain comes probably a joy uh, there's everything seems to work itself out even say like why did the worst get on top why do evil people not get punished that old moral question well a lot of those people who you know might find riches and fame and they do it in a very in an evil way they're probably not happy people most of the stalin and hitler were not happy people by any means and i would imagine most folks who earn their power in life in underhanded ways end up being corrupted by it. That's, I think, really the point of this movie is, okay, when you look at power so it, or the force, are you going to approach it with a sense of, if you're neutral, I don't want to be corrupted by it, I don't want to do bad things, and that leads me to inaction, or eventually to some action when I know I can do good? Or do you become like one of the characters in this movie who is so cynical, he just doesn't care anymore? That he'll play, yeah, played by Antonio Banderas. No. Benicio Del Toro. Oh, my God, that was racist. <laughs> wow. I didn't, vote for, uh, I didn't vote for Trump. Well, and now I've got Enrique Iglesias on the mind because I just was looking at TMZ and him and Anna Kornikova are having kids. Anyway. Congrats to them. That's, yeah, that's good, special. Good for, good for them. Anyway. Benicio I, Del Toro's character. Benicio Del Toro. Enrique Iglesias couldn't pull off that role. Anyway, Benicio, he is this <laughs> cynical, neutral character who essentially is just an opportunist. And I started thinking about politics in our current world, like how power is divvied out in our current world. And I've met uh, some people that work in politics who, at the end of the day, I don't think they necessarily believe in anything, politically speaking. I mean, they have other parts of their lives. But when it comes to which party are you for, it's like, neither. I just go where the money is. Mm -hmm. It's like the movie Thank You for Smoking. It pays the mortgage. And... There's that one way of being neutral. Then there's the other way of, no, I don't want to ever suffer an injustice against somebody. I'm, I'm so, I have the capability of being so powerful, then I'm going to sort of re remove myself from the world and be a hermit. And that character is pretty much summed up by Luke Skywalker. And the other one is Benicio Del Toro's character is neutral in a different way. And it got me thinking of, hmm, that is... That's a very key difference. Like somebody crippled by not wanting to cause suffering and create bad things and somebody so cynical that they just go wherever the wind blows. Benevolent, benevolent neutrality and selfish neutrality? Yeah, or, or I suppose even so. malevolent, in, depending on your perspective. Well, and it's, I guess the, you know, people think because I'm some big free marketer, and I think capitalism generally we could define that word and everybody has there are a lot of different definitions for capitalism but the Gordon Gecko idea of greed is good no that is not how I think about free markets it's not that the love of money is the root of all evil money isn't but the love of money is 
And if you're always seeking that sort of materialist life, um, you end up probably doing horrible things to people and yourself. In the same respect, we see Star Wars is always addressing this idea of power corrupting. And I'm trying to think of a way we discuss this without giving stuff away. What about this? You mentioned that Hitler and Stalin probably weren't very happy people. Right. So what does that boil down to? Does it boil down to values? They managed to get all this power. They weren't happy people. Is that because we're saying they're not happy people? Do we think that the love of money, if you will, the security that it buys, in some cases people say the happiness that it buys, is that more valuable than the people that consider themselves happy and content? How do they achieve that happiness and contentment? And it's mentioned in Star Wars. There's a scene with Finn. Yeah. And that other woman. Okay. And she says, you can't fight because of hate. We're not going to win by destroying what we hate. We're going to win by fighting for what we love. Yeah, saving what we love, yeah. Right. And I, I... I think that's about right, and I think I should take a second to define, in my understanding, what happiness would be for me is tranquility of the mind. Like, you're not uh, avoiding certain things. Um, Where uh, This goes back to Carl Jung, where if you avoid responsibility, you're essentially creating a dragon that will eventually consume you. This goes all the way back to Epicurus. Exactly. Well, people have asked me, like, they got, some folks online got really mad at me for not taking a side in the whole Roy Moore, Doug Jones thing. Uh-huh. Like, do you stand for anything, Joey? Or are you even a libertarian anymore? And I would say, yeah, I think the best political label, if you want to do that, is libertarianism. But at the end of the day, I'm an Epicurean. And Epicurus taught, essentially, don't seek money for its own sake. Don't seek power fame for its own sake that the world and its natural pleasures are there for everybody and prudent study of that world along with enjoying life's natural pleasures will lead you to mostly tranquility of the mind and relaxation and body Uh, and, and so when I think of somebody like Stalin I'd imagine he's always looking over his shoulder that is there somebody going to try to supplant me it, who's the next person I have to control? There isn't peace in that sort of sense. And maybe somebody is, to your point, There, it might just be a choice people make. And that's often what's brought up in Star Wars, that you make that choice of, we're going to fight for order and security, and or we're going to give in to sort of the natural pleasures of life and the balance of the Force. I don't know. It's uh, on another level, though. Because we jump right into the symbolic nature of Star Wars. But that's us. Uh, well, especially me. The cinematography mm. is the best I've seen in a Star Wars movie. I'm going to quote the Arctic Monkeys here. Mm-hmm. It's a group out of, uh, I think it's Sheffield, England. The horizon tries, but it's just not as kind on the eyes. The cinematography and The Last Jedi was stunning. It was so good. And I'll only dip into what you see in the trailer with the the mining planet that they were on and you see the 
the ships flying across the surface and they have the they call it a ski and it's touching the surface and you see the red coming up of, yeah. of what they're actually mining the surface is apparently salt yeah um gorgeous right gorgeous cinematography and ryan johnson uses that in a way there's there's a lot of fighting going on on that planet he uses that in a way and we talked about this after the movie to showcase what good and evil does or the light side of the force and the dark side of the force you see kylo ren on the planet and he's stepping on this salt and you see every step he makes he leaves red prints red footprints boot prints in the ground and if reading any Cormac McCarthy has told us anything, mm. so red is a, a violent color. Oh, yeah. Strangely, also a color associated with love. And I don't think that's necessarily a coincidence. Mm. Love can be more than just a happy thing. Oh, yeah. We've talked about that. Oh, yeah. And you see Luke on the surface, and he's standing there, and he moves. Nothing comes up. Yeah, it's a light touch. Yeah. He doesn't leave red prints. Well, he doesn't leave red prints. Mm. Mm. And to use the cinematography to show that, I thought, was incredible. Yeah, in the movie, I think I love it at the end of the day, and everybody should go see this movie. And, you know, we were talking about Drudge Report, how they're mostly all headlines. Like, sometimes the headlines that are put up there, I'm like, really? You're just trying to ruin a good time. It's like, 92% of the box office is taken by Disney Fox this weekend. Like, yeah, because they're the ones making good stuff. Mm -hmm. not, not to mention that Disney has been rather brilliant with their acquisitions. Marvel. They saw how that Spider-Man was popular. They bought Marvel. They saw an opportunity to get Star Wars. They bought Star Wars. They made it back on their first movie. They made their entire acquisition of the studio and the intellectual property on their first movie. It's insane. So, I mean, whoever brokered those deals, they need a race. Yeah, and I, I, if, I don't care if it's coming from one company. This stuff is incredible work. And, you know, I was mentioning earlier when I was on the air about how, you know, I think folks our age and younger, there's so many options for entertainment, like music, movies, whatever, books, mm -hmm. uh, that people don't necessarily always share the same experience with a few exceptions and there are things like in music most people have heard of thriller michael jackson mm -hmm. and i think i was sitting there as the that opening you know the, the you know, opening crawl in a galaxy well it's before the crawl it's that where the, the lucas arts yeah when the blue comes up in a oh. galaxy long mm -hmm. time ago in a galaxy far far away and then there's that pregnant pause in, in that imax theater the guy next to me jumped <laughs> i was ready for it but when that happened and the scroll starts i'm like this is such it's like a, a cultural anchor point to use a term you've come you've said mm -hmm. that and it's not just cultural in terms of the west I think there are a lot of people who are probably seeing this movie in other parts of the world, and it is such a moving... It's a, I'm happy that that's what most people are seeing when they go and see a movie. Uh, dare I say it's a little piece of our own mythology of this time period. Yes. And that brings up a really... I mean, well, it being a piece of mythology brings up a really good point. Do people use this to inform their lives? And if they do, or if they did, say, with the original 
trilogy. They use that to inform their lives. And they fell in love with Star Wars. Then they get to that age where they, they create their own opinions. They don't use mythology to inform their lives. And then they watch The Last Jedi and they get upset. Hmm. Do you think they got upset because it didn't capture the magic of childhood? Yes. The magic of the moment? I listened to some reviews while I was riding home. And immediately, people are nitpicking. Like, I wanted it to be more like this. I wanted it to be more like that. Instead, I just came to the movie going, I'm ready to see a well-put-together piece of art, a well-put-together film. I'm not going to... I don't... Maybe it's because I'm not a huge fanboy. Right. I'm just a fan. Mm -hmm. But I I think you're right. Some of these folks want to be the director themselves, which is fine. But a lot of the nitpicks I keep hearing, it's not, um, it's like you go direct it. There's a reason why you weren't tapped. Uh, I used to be like that. And then I learned, actually, I learned this while I discovered horror movies. When I was a kid, I hated horror movies. They gave me nightmares. Yeah. Because my imagination would run wild and I would go to sleep thinking I was going to die. I couldn't sleep. But I learned that just like, Adrenaline, horror as a genre is its own flavor of feeling. Yes. And it makes you feel a particular type of way. It's like eating a food that you've never eaten before. Like hot sauce is what I've been doing recently. Exactly. Can you learn to like it? If you don't like it, that's fine. Yeah. But, I mean, to give it a shot and come out of it being like, okay, this is how it made me feel. This is what it, like, uh, my heart was racing during that one particular scene. Things like that. With The Last Jedi, what I learned from all the horror things was that you just don't go in with crazy expectations, especially if you're a big fan of it. People hate all the DC movies. Just go in thinking, okay, these are characters that I'm familiar with. Yes. But my don't don't implant your ego on what you think the characters should be, how they're going to be, and what's going to happen. Well, people have different lived experiences. And that is, by the way, what's so brilliant about what Ryan Johnson did with this movie. Because that very message you're giving is in the mouths of characters in the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give away who says it. You'll know them when you see them. But the like you with your expectations always looking to the horizon mm-hmm. and when it's always right in front of your nose and you know i've been there in life like the what if i could do this i could do that i'm still there in some ways mm-hmm. but when you just look at what's right there in front of you the person or the thing you need to do uh it's you find a piece it's like i know i need to find the new special knowledge oh we need to rearrange this in the exact correct way it's like no you have everything you need mm-hmm. look at the not to bring up ayn rand too much but look at the road ahead of you and when you see it walk don't just sit there and ponder it and i it really spoke to me that no what you think something should be it may not necessarily be and I thought Johnson uh, handled that 
beautifully. And then also, just great fight. If I mean, there's some people who are going to go see this movie, and I'm sure they did, where it's just escapism. It's a cool action movie. Yeah. It's it's interesting, but then, I mean... It's, it delivers. Oh, it delivers It, it delivers that, that. The space battles? Mm-hmm. It is truly a war movie. Mm-hmm. It, it is not uh, cheap or uh, skimp on any action. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, again, folks, go see this movie, Star Wars The Last Jedi. They're not paying me to say this. I wish they were. Oh, that'd be nice. That would be nice. Disney, please! You and your racist mouths, no, no, they're definitely not going to pay me. But, You'll get no money from me. But you um, mentioned people that are maybe missing the magic of childhood. That they wish that it, it swept them away, but they're so in their own head and what it should be that they miss the magic. I've seen a few videos and read a few articles about people who are huge fans, who love the original trilogy, going to the prequels when they came out with their children. Or showing their children the originals for the first time. And seeing their kid react to these things they love. And their kid's having the same reaction they did. And they get to re-experience the magic that way. Oh, especially like at the end of Empire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And how people... (laughs) I think... (laughs) Yeah, Kevin Smith, I think, said this. And Kevin Smith's like... Oh, weren't you surprised by that? Uh, Luke, no, I am your father. Mm. No, and he's like, honey, weren't you surprised? She goes, no. Vader's German for father. George Lucas with your <laughs> on-the-nose names. It's like, well, damn, my little girl's smart. <laughs> but it goes back to, it's this cultural piece of, yeah, it's mythology. That it's like Lord of the Rings is up there in the same way. Mm-hmm. Where... People share it with their kids. It's almost like a rite of passage. Oh, I get to share Star Wars with my children. And it's not because, oh, it's so cool, action figures, cool action. That goes on. But it, it, I think it's because the themes are in, enduring. Mm-hmm. By far enduring. And I think also, and maybe this is just me bringing my own baggage... Or me having consumed so much political stuff, and as people get older, there might be a tendency to become more cynical about the world. You? Cynical? Well, there's a great Oscar Wilde quote that the young know everything, the middle-aged suspect everything, and the old believe everything. And I don't want to be too suspicious. It's better to just sit back and uh, experience the world. And I think sometimes people get into this mindset of, oh, I've seen it all. And the world is like something like Star Wars and Hollywood in the movies. Why is that important? And I was like, no, see the magic. It's so much of why I do a record of the day. It's like, it's not just a commodity that and people made a bunch of money off of and danced to and had fun. I, I just realized I did that during the trailers yesterday. After every trailer, I was like, oh, that's a combination of this movie and this movie. Lame. No, we, and we, I, we all do it. But it's a matter of, like, stepping back and going, look at how frickin', I said frickin', lucky we are. We get to sit here in front of this huge movie screen. All we paid is, like, eight, nine bucks, and we get to experience this. And people are going to complain? What? Enjoy yourselves. Folks, you will not be disappointed if you go see this movie. If you are, fine. But I, 
That's I, your choice. That's your choice to be disappointed. Yeah. But I genuinely feel if you went into it with an open mind, an open heart, mm-hmm. you will come away being thoroughly entertained. If you don't want to use it as a way to inform your life, if you don't want to use it as mythology or use the themes in the movie to be able to explain things, fair enough. It is just a movie after all. But it has great applause. Like, there are several times where you and I stopped looking at the screen, like, looked at each other like, Dude! Oh! oh whoa! Especially the space battles. Yeah. Hmm. So, hat tip to Ryan Johnson. He's been tapped to be the director for the next trilogy, mm-hmm. whenever that comes out. And J.J. Abrams gets to clean up here with the last one. Well... Ryan answered some of the questions that he left dangling at the end of The Force Awakens, one of which has upset a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But for me, I found it funny. Yeah. Oh. You talking about the lightsaber? The lightsaber, yeah. Oh, I thought that was perfect. At the end of The Force Awakens. I thought it was... She hands him the lightsaber. It's this emotional moment. And then in The Last Jedi... Well... I'm, I'm not going to... I'm not going to spoil it, but you've had, was it two years since yeah. The Last Jedi, or The Force Awakens? Yeah. Yeah. That is a pregnant pause, sir. And then also, without giving it away, and I know this is like, what, are you, what the hell are y'all talking about on the radio? At the end, with the little boy in the broom? Oh, my gosh. Oh! I looked at you when that happened, and I was like, did he just... Oh! He did! He did. Anyway, talking about, like, culture being shared, um, you got to look for meaning everywhere, folks, or you'll be... Re- bereft of it. Uh, Bootsy Collins is my record of the day. I'd rather be with you. It's such a funky, tasty track. But this song, because of how good it is, has been sampled by I think we, on a quick look up, like Tupac, N.W.A. Yeah, like 48 different artists have sampled this song. Beyonce? Where's the beehive at? Yeah, Queen Bee, baby. Mm Mm-hmm. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. This is Mondays with Troy. Having a good time here. Well, you want to just spitball for the next few next segment? Sure. Okay. Be back right after this. I'd rather be with you. Radio Hour. So get to that. There it is. Mm. 
Troy is alongside me. Mondays with Troy, the record of the day. Bootsy Collins. You gotta be feeling some type of way to be getting into this. But I, I'm getting there. I'd rather be with you. Is that a wall on the bass? Oh, yeah. Wow. He's got that wall and all distorted. That's too grown and sexy for news talk, but I played it anyway. You should get that hat that he's wearing in that picture. Oh, that little uh, pink feather hat? Mm Mm-hmm. I love that stuff, man. Wear it with that that kitten Christmas sweater? Yeah, we were just talking off air. I want the funk. We weren't talking about this, but I want the funk aesthetic and, like, fashion style to come back. And, like, we want Art Deco back. I I want Art Deco back. In terms of architecture. Mm Mm-hmm. I love it. Marble, gold filigree. Oh, yeah. that's your boy. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's it's uh, it's audacious, but it's self-aware, I think. It's unafraid to be itself. Yeah, exactly. Now, I'm not going to reveal anything, but I learned to my trip to Atlanta, and I've also learned this listening to some people on air with this Me Too campaign. I've heard a lot of guys say to me, man, aren't you worried? Like, no. Yeah, I'm not not worried, though. Now, I was already kind of on my toes just with the whole new movement in society of, like, don't be a creep. But, no, I'm not worried. I look back on my life and go, no, I'm fine. And it makes me wonder, some guys, maybe this is a good thing, but then I start thinking about, okay, some people could have their lives ruined, as I've heard stories from others that where people were accused of stuff. Most recent one being Rodney Anderson, Oklahoma running back. Hmm. I didn't hear about this. He was accused of raping a girl, and the girl that did it, like her friend, basically turned on her to the police and was like, "Yeah, no, th- this didn't happen." In fact, she said this would help her political career with this feminist organization that she works for. Hmm. Yeah, I listen. I. Let's do a little bit of an interview earlier today. Megan Kelly did with one of the accusers of Matt Lauer. And essentially, the story goes, she's a production assistant. She's 24. Lauer's married, like 41, 42. And one day, he messaged her through the internal office instant messenger saying, oh, you look really good today. And she said, oh, thank you. I'd love to get your advice on my career sometime at lunch. A month goes by. That's innocuous, right? Yeah, right there, that's probably fine. A month goes by, and he messaged again, My God, you're killing me. You look so good today, I was distracted. Now, that's a little bit... Toeing the line, Matt. Yeah, like, if you're outside the office, that's fine. Whatever. You're being flirty. But, again, she responds, Oh, thank you so much, or something to that effect. And uh, I would, again, love to grab lunch with you sometime to get advice on my career. I'm probably about to go take a different job in West Virginia. And so he says, he says yeah, let's have lunch. So they go to, and they set up lunch. And they have lunch, and she says, and in this interview with Megan Kelly, she's not very specific about what's said, but that it was not about careers. It was immediately sexual in nature and flirtatious. 
And so she goes back to the office, and as she describes it, I'm confused. I'm, I don't, I'm uh, like fearful, but not really. So she, she goes, either I messaged him or he messaged me. Again, another vague point, who sent the message about how I was feeling. Which makes you think maybe she sent it, but I don't know. And it leads to him immediately responding, saying, come to my dressing room. And that's when she says they had their first encounter. And they hook up for a month. All completely consensual. And she says, I own going to his dressing room. I own doing this with Matt Lauer. Uh, But it left me, you know, feeling used and depressed. And it didn't advance my career. And I felt guilty because I'm sleeping with a married man. Now, I'm hearing all this and it's a very tragic love story. I'm like... Is this what we really want part of the Me Too campaign? Like, uh, I, I, I'm going to come to her defense yeah. here because you mentioned some confusion over her not being specific about the things she said. Yeah. Well, she said she was feeling confused and conflicted and she didn't really know how to feel about these things. This is, you know, before they hooked up and even after they hooked up. Right. If... If she's going to come forward and, and not be specific about things, perhaps it's because she can't be specific. That's a good point. Looking back and reflecting on things, that is hard, or I would imagine it's hard for her to do, If especially if she's conflicted about something. It's probably really difficult to come up with specifics. Like, I was looking at um, Allie Raisman's testimony against the Olympic doctor. Mm, yeah. That, did a bunch of horrible things to her and a bunch of other young girls. Yeah. And she she did a, a thing on the Players' Tribune because the judge wouldn't let her speak it out in court at his sentencing. And the way she describes it, I can totally understand why this woman who hooked up with Matt Lauer was not specific about these things at all and was just kind of barely touching on it to get the story out there. That's all I'm saying. And I, I think that's a, a very good point. Uh, it's... I don't know. When you're 24 years old, I'll put it this way. It shouldn't be going on in the office. Matt Lauer knew what he was doing. And I'm sure, especially because of all the stories, we're certain she wasn't the only person he's doing this with. Yeah. Uh, But also, there's an element to it where you're 24. You're an adult. You need to be able to say no or you might do something you regret and go, okay, I wish I hadn't have done that, but it can't all be the uh, person with necessarily the power. I don't know. I'm thinking of the Brian Singer stories. Uh, That's just where it's group gay sex and drugs, and he had it's... handlers that would go and hand pick young boys, and he would bring them back to his dressing room and have parties with them, and ugh. And it was it's disgusting. a terrible story. But I, I start reading the comments, and most of the comments are like, "Dude, you kind of made a you made a lot of choices." Like one guy specifically said, "I was a young gay man in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I was approached with that stuff, and I said no." Like you kind of knew what you're getting into. Don't use your sexuality as a way to advance your career. And it's it's a two way street. That these people in power shouldn't be using their power to get sex and uh, empty promises. Under no circumstances. Exactly. Is that okay? Right. And 
people who are looking to get ahead shouldn't fool themselves that doing that will advance my career and make me feel good about myself. Well, isn't that, I mean, just as a counterpoint, if, if the accusation of using your sexuality to advance your career, none of this seems to be taking into account, no matter the age, naivete. Oh, yeah. To be naive and to not have the expectation that when you're approached with sex, that that's, you know, you can say no. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to be fair. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm trying to wrap my head around this, but there's a, there's a lot of darkness there. Oh, yeah. The more stories that come out, I feel like everyone should be listened to. Was it Reagan that said trust but verify? Yeah. Trust but verify. That's that's where I'm coming from. It's it's something where it's tough for me sitting here where it's like I'm I wasn't there. Like I don't know all the ins and outs of it and I want to believe everybody who comes forward. But I also know that I wasn't there. So how I'll believe you, but how are we going to verify this? And also at a certain point you can say no and you can stick up for yourself. That I think it's a uh, it's like the idea of a, of a car. And I know this is a clunky analogy. But we have on our street where we live, people have been opening up unlocked cars and taking stuff out of them. And I don't want to have... I wish I didn't have to lock my car or lock my house when I left. But you do. That's just smart. Just smart and responsible. And it doesn't mean you're to blame if somebody breaks into your home, locked or unlocked. But there's also ways of being aware about life and being smart that can enable you to have a more successful life and avoid predators. And then at the same time, we should be calling out predators. Yeah, how do you how do you how do you tackle this? It can be both things. You can teach people to say no and that it's okay to say no. But you also need to tackle the corrupting thought processes of I can use this position of power to sleep with any person that I want to sleep with. And then you have, was it Mina Sorvino and Ashley Judd who got blacklisted mm -hmm. by Weinstein's company because they wouldn't sleep with him. And then Weinstein's company told all the other pro producing companies like, hey, these people are really hard they're, to work with. Troublemakers. And then all of a sudden their career yeah. downward spiral. Yeah, I just, I, I guess I'm coming from my perspective of like, if somebody did that to me, I would... I, I don't care. Like, damn the torpedoes. Like, okay, I might lose my job, but if somebody did that to me, it might be a fight. Like, I don't know. That's where I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. It's like, stand up for yourself now. And I, and I feel bad for people who felt trapped. And I'm happy that it's coming out now. I worry, though, that the way it's being done in the public forum isn't going to give us the solutions we want it it takes on a witch hunt element where real people who need that help and we need to correct things are getting drowned out by other folks it goes back to that whole like the mattress girl story or the any there was like some fake accusation in rolling stone a couple of years oh, ago oh yeah 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 and so report it, and it requires so many people if we're going to do this in the media requires so many people to do their due diligence. And I think 
my suggestion is the more effective way to deal with this is to keep an eye out for people you know personally and to speak up personally to in that network of friends. Uh, that is the way that this is actually going to get it solved because Woody Allen's accuser came out and said, what, does Woody Allen not count? This came out before Weinstein. He's still got a job. He's still being praised. Roman Polanski. Yeah. It's like, are we just going to have this wave and then nothing, and then some people are going to get away with a bunch of stuff or people actually going to learn to look out for it in their own life? And to, and, and in their own life, it could be a one-on-one first-hand experience. It could be second-hand. You hear something, you go, this isn't, this doesn't sound right. And instead of brushing it off and going, I, I'm not involved, not, I, I can't stick my nose in this, maybe ask a few more questions. Well, it also requires a lot of things, though. Yeah. It requires fortitude. It requires confidence. It requires a modicum of honesty, to be honest with yourself and others. And also requires support. Like, some of these people are probably too afraid to come out and talk. Yeah. Support them if you know someone like that. Like, well, you were telling me last night before the movie there was a feminist who wanted to who did some documentary on feminists and the men's right movement. Yeah, uh, the documentary is called The Red Pill, and I by no means want to be associated. Don't, don't put my name with the Red Pill. Right. I, I do not want to be associated with what's called the Red Pill movement. The documentary, which is separate from the Red Pill, is called The Red Pill, and it's about a feminist going to explore the men's rights movement and the stories that she learns some of them are horrifying and it it made sense and she comes to the same conclusion at the end of the movie why there is such a thing known as the men's rights movement hmm. there's a separate thing called the red pill it's its own movement it's disgusting hmm. i want nothing to do with it well and this is part of uh you know, that poisonous cloud coming out of the churning ocean. I think it's the printing press on steroids, the internet, is people who probably never would have met each other are now able to connect online. And it can lead to beautiful things or it can lead to horrific movements, mm -hmm. whether it's ISIS or the red pill. The red pill. And, I, and to be honest, like I'm hearing you and trying to understand, I don't even know what that is. Do you remember that guy? He had a show on VH1 about how to seduce women. Yeah, mystery. The red pill is an ideology based off of that. And it goes beyond just his principles of like... Picking people up and... Yeah, it networking goes, it goes beyond that. Yeah, It's about alphas and betas and it gets weird and it's disgusting. It's misogynistic. Hmm. Just don't even, don't even look it up, dude. Stay away from it. It's... Well, and I think it's a good point of stop looking to ideo ideologies or the cause or and look to sort of a balance within yourself and the people right in front of you. You brought this up earlier, and this is sort of in conjunction with what you just said. If you're trying to find balance, what do you do when everybody says, why don't you take a side? Why don't you make a stand? Hmm. And my answer to that would be, the reason why I would take a stand for something. If, if I'm looking for a reason to take a stand for something, my reason might be different than your reason. And the fact that I haven't decided to make a stand on one particular issue or another, or if I haven't picked a side, that should in no way have any bearing on me as an individual. And yet, here we are. If you say you like The Last Jedi, mm -hmm. and someone else doesn't like it, they'll probably call you a horrible person. 
And it's, it's absurd. It's, why would you slander like that? Like, there's at some point we have eliminated all room for discussion and discourse, and we can't come to conclusions that are our own. We yeah. automatically have to pick a side. You're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Yeah, and it's um, it's it's the madness. It, I would refer to it as the rise of the mad prophets. Howard Beale and Network uh, is this mad prophet of the airwaves. Like, you people, you're addicted to the tube. You're, whatever we say in this GD thing, you'll believe. And he's just insane. And I think that was television, written in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Think about the internet now and all these folks with their YouTube channels or whatever outlet they have. And I th- now that everybody can hook up and share their opinion, and instead of looking inward and going, how can I find balance in myself? No, I'm going to find the cause that gives me, and it usually, well, comes down to this. Don't fight what you hate. That's not how you win. It's not how you make mm-hmm. yourself better or the world better. Save what you love. And in the course of doing that, I will, it's old advice from Socrates, probably better to suffer an injustice than to uh, commit one. I, I would agree with Socrates there. Yeah, he, some stuff, he's full of crap. Like, the life of the mind's better than the body. No, Socrates, balance, Socrates. Like, would Bootsy Collins have created this grown and sexy tune if he was only in his head? Mm-mm. I will say... That critical thinking is important here, and it's not something that gets taught in schools that perhaps should be taught. To teach yourself. That's even better, yeah. Yeah. That's the best way to foster critical thinking, in my opinion. Well, we're out of time. Self-actualized critical thought. Amen. Troy, thank you so much. Happy to be here. Thank you, folks, for listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. If you're so inclined, please go see The Last Jedi. Please. It's a wonderful movie. It really is. Thanks, folks.